Welcome back to Sealed, a Bible study podcast. I am Tyler Seal. And I am Shiloh Seal. And right now we are going through a topical study on identity in Christ. And I guess first off, I want to mention that it really was two fish and five loaves. And we find (laughs) that in Mark 6, verse 41. And it says, and when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. And hopefully you know what the story goes from there. (laughs) That was multiplied into enough to feed 5,000 people. But I had a moment of hesitation and confusion when I was mentioning that verse. So I just wanted to... Let this be a space where it's okay to be wrong, but it's not okay to not double check your work and correct yourself. <laughs> so I want to go ahead and pray. Lord, we thank you, God, that you are God. Lord, we thank you that you um, are going to come and join us today, that you're going to fill this place. Father, I pray off uh, any hindrances, any spirit of confusion, Lord, we come against it right now in the name of Jesus. We pray that you will give us wisdom to speak your word in truth. And we pray that you'll prepare the hearts of the people that hear this to receive it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. So today, we're going to begin in Ephesians. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. And we're going to read a few different sections here, and we may bounce to other scriptures as well. But again, the goal of this is to help people begin to walk and live in their identity in Christ. And we want that to be clearly understood as, well, the identity you are always meant to walk in. Like as a human on this earth, that is what you're supposed to be. Since Adam, we were given a calling. We were given a face. We were given hands and feet. We were given an identity by God. And that is the main difference between the identity discussions you'll see in culture versus identity in Christ discussions. This is not something we want you to become or something we're trying to get you to buy into. This is who you really are. Yeah, amen. And accepting that makes your life easier. It, right. it doesn't make your life easy. It makes it easier. It brings understanding. You'll start to see why there's struggles in your life, there, why there's calls upon your life that you don't necessarily, in your flesh, want to answer. Well, and also it <clears throat> helps us to be um, rooted and tied to, um, or I guess rooted and grounded, it, the same word, um, just rooted <laughs> in in who Christ says we are, who we are in him. And that way, as the tides um, roll in of the world around us, we won't be moved to and fro by those. We won't be, um, we won't be crushed by um, what someone says about us or a group of people even says about us. But we will truly be um, performing for an audience of one God. And when you know who He says you are, you're just you know, it just doesn't matter. It just doesn't, you just have a piece about how you're received by people because it just doesn't really matter. If you're 
speaking the truth and you're doing the thing he calls you to do, you have a confidence. I guess that's the word I'm looking for. A confidence that, um, that's unshakable. It's truly just unshakable and you don't have to be a people pleaser and you don't have to, um, be crushed by people, um, who maybe disagree with you or don't like your tactics or, you know, everybody is different. We're all different parts of the same body, but, um, but God, and, and in that God's working on all of us, growing all of us, the process of sanctification is us submitting to that work and him carving more and more off of us. But who we are, um, he said before the foundation of the world, he made us to be that person. And so it's really just, just connecting our, our brains to understand who that is so that our actions, you know, will be in accordance, I guess, with that. And I can't even tell you, you know, how true that is and how, how much peace that will bring into your life. And, and it's not to say that you won't be able to take correction. And it's not to say that people's opinions won't matter. It's that you won't be rooted in those things anymore. Mm -hmm. You won't be a people pleaser. You won't seek, you will never compromise the message that God has given you or the gospel or the true word of God simply because of the room you're in, you know, and when God gives me a message. I never look around the room and say, oh, I better, I better change that or soften this because there's a few people in here who that's really going to offend. Well, sometimes God wants, wants to change you. And if that requires hurting your feelings, then hopefully it hurts, but it hurts in a good way that causes you to, to grow. But I can't change the message because I look out and spot that this particular subject is going to hurt that person's feelings or they're going to feel a little targeted. I hope you know, you know, good pastors, they're not writing a message around a person in the room. But the Holy Spirit knows who's going to be in the room. And so if something your pastor says is totally biblical, but really offensive to you, that's not him targeting you. That's, that's the Holy Spirit targeting you for your good. But we'll just jump in and then we'll discuss a lot of those same concepts do pop up right here. Yeah. So I'll just read from what, three to six? Yeah, let's do that. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. Hallelujah. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. Hmm. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. Amen. That is from the CSB version. It is a little different worded than mine. Um, the first one I really want to look at right there is um, you're chosen. Amen. In case you didn't know you were chosen and it makes me think of like when you're in school and you're um you know that all the little kids will line up and you're gonna pick teams and like get your team captains and they're choosing and like maybe you weren't the first one picked maybe maybe 
honestly, maybe you were the one left over and nobody picked you. Like in this, um, we're reminded right here and we need to be rooted that, that we are chosen. Like I was his first pick, like you were his first pick. It's important to understand that we were just watching, um, and listening to a brutal sermon yesterday, um, online and you know, you watch the passion play out and you're like, gosh, like it's so brutal. It's so brutal what they, what they did to our savior. Right. But, but it's important to remember that it pleased God to look upon him in that he didn't have to do that to us. And God chose us to be reconciled to him. And he, he gave his best for that sacrifice in choosing us. And it's, it's important to make it personal because it is, it's deeply personal. If it's not personal to you, if you don't, um, like we talked about John three sixteen, if, if you really look at that verse and you're like, Oh, the world, he died for the world. And you don't take that on yourself and really make that personal for yourself. You're missing a whole, a whole part of what the father intended because just like that verse says he left the 99 to go after the one like you are the one i am the one if it was only me if it was only my sin he still would have sent jesus to the cross yeah that hits differently <clears throat> that's that's deeply personal i know my sins i know how truly wretched i am but but the it's easy for us and and i think maybe even too as we get a little you know, you get a little deeper in your walk, you get maybe a little more comfortable in your walk. It's easy for us to distance ourselves from who we used to be and look at our sin under a different lens. Like, like, well, you know, my sin isn't that sin, you know, but like God, to God, it's all the same. Sin is sin. And to know that he chose us with him in him before the foundation of the world that is deeply personal and time doesn't just make you see your sin differently than god does but also your good works you know mm. if you thoroughly thoroughly and i mean spend as much time as you can look through the entire new testament and show me one place where jesus boasted or spent any amount of time at all talking about what he did yesterday right. and jesus did only good but he never dwelled on it he never dwelled on it like man we had a great day yesterday let's just take a day off mm. look at paul's life paul was trying his best to be christ-like and it was just mash it to the floor and move forward yeah it didn't matter that we just built a church and we just got beat with stones and we just got imprisoned Today is a new day. We have a new task and we're yeah. going to a new town and we're starting again. And he worked relentlessly every day. He didn't give himself time to rest in his laurels in the good things he had already done in the races he'd already won. No, he was on a mission yeah. and time has a funny way of softening us and lulling us to sleep because I've also met Christians who are great people. But they're kind of in spiritual retirement now, you know, because they're they're older or they're more seasoned or they've already accomplished. They've gone on mission trips. They've 
they've given, they worked their whole life. They tithe the entire way. Now they're in retirement and they just come to church and they, you know, they love watching the next generation work. It doesn't matter how old you are. If you're still on this earth, this is your generation. Mm -hmm. This is who God has sent you to minister to. And we need more respect for our elders. We also need our elders to be willing to teach us. And those two things go hand in hand. Like you, you don't get to, to leave early. You know, we can't add or take away from the number of days the Lord has, has chose for us. He knows the amount of hairs on your head and he knows the amount of days on this earth. And he did not accidentally give you too many days. There's no retirement. Like there is work yet to do because you're still drawing breath. Your ear is still hearing right now. There's more work ahead. And that should be a blessing. That's not, that's not a curse. That's, that's a blessing. Like God's not done with you is a good word. Yeah. I also want to look at Jeremiah 1.5 before we move on to the second half of that verse 4. Mm-hmm. Jeremiah 1.5 says, I chose you before I formed you in the womb. Yeah. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Now, granted, that third sentence, he's clearly speaking to Jeremiah. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. That doesn't apply to everybody, but I'll tell you what does. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. Now, those things have a broader application in the fact that God can choose you from before your birth, and he can already have a work in mind for you. And I want to talk about, you know, this whole battle we have with free will and predestination, because it's a huge concept and a huge talk, and there's been far greater theologians who never figured it out before me, and I'm not trying to figure it all out, but I will state my position. Yeah, I believe in both. I think there's a free will act that you need to make to step into your identity or a free will act you need to make to choose God's gift of love and become a Christian. But in the context of identity, from before Adam, he already had decided your identity. Mm -hmm. You are predestined to be something and anything else that the world calls you to be is a devil's counterfeit. It is a lesser That's identity. Right. It is a lesser blessing. It That's is. Right. It does not matter if you're rich or poor. If you're not walking the way God told you to walk, then you're cheapening your own walk. Mm-hmm. Your life will be less blessed, less full, less joy will come your way because you've chose your own way rather than his way. And I mean, it's been like that since the garden. Did God really say? Right. That's where it started. Mm-hmm. You know, God had a perfect, beautiful plan. And Satan always tries to come in and say, well, I think there might be another way. And that, that other way is probably a better way, at least better for you. Yeah. And it's a lie from the devil every time. The second half of this verse is also critical. He says, before the foundation of the world, to be holy and blameless in love before him. This part, I'm not saying it doesn't get preached, 
but I don't think it gets preached enough. And I think it gets, it gets wrapped in our head that this is an unattainable goal. Mm. To be holy and blameless, how could I possibly do that? So why try? Because, you know, I'm still in my flesh. Right. I'm still going to fall short. I'm still going to sin. So, yeah, why try? Holiness is who you are. And it is a process. It's not something that happens as you come up out of that water. And I'm not knocking baptism. Beautiful, amazing, miraculous things happen during baptism. Yeah, come on. But I am saying holiness is a journey you take yourself on. And God calls you to it. And he blesses you all along the way. God's looking for men of God and women of God that he can trust with the hard work that this world has for us. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's looking at your walk. He's looking at, is there growth? It's not about perfection. It's about, is there growth? Because there will always be more things you need to carve off, more things you need to change about yourself, more things you need to just repent of and let go and, and give up and be more selfless. There's more yeses you need to give to God. Mm-hmm. And that's the sanctification process. That's yeah. what holiness is. It's a journey. and being blameless, that's more talking about these sins that you already recognize is in your life. And I'm praying right now that the Holy Spirit reveals to you, the yeah. listener, the sin in your life that you know you, you've got to get rid of. Yeah. And I promise you, the Lord is going to work with you today to mm-hmm. just let go of it. And then you're in that blameless state. And now if you're Entering into that blameless state, even if you've just quit whatever it is you're doing and you're just a minute clean of that lifestyle, you're blameless before him. And now you walk in holiness and it's two minutes of blamelessness. Mm -hmm. It's not that you'll never make mistakes, but we have this ability as humans to make a habitual mistake we know is wrong over and over and over and over. Yeah, I think of David and how he was a man after God's heart. And we look at the story in the life of David and it's like, Man, not perfect. <laughs> he was he was a he was a fleshly man, right? But no, he he saw his sin, he saw himself for who he was, and he repented often and quickly before a holy God. And he said, Create in me, Lord, a new clean heart, right? And that's what God's looking for. He's looking for that people. And you don't see him making the same mistake over and over. You no. see him making different mistakes for sure. Right. But it's those repetitive, habitual, instinctive choices we make again and again and again. And you get to a point where you're like, well, you know, God will forgive me or, well, I'll get to that one later or I'll try again tomorrow. And really you're not trying anymore to beat Mm -hmm. your sin. You know, there's, there's a major problem with living a lifestyle counter to Christ. Because that's not lordship. That's not surrender. And you can be a Christian and have never surrendered to him as your Lord. I really do believe that. You know, you could truly accept Christ's work on the cross and obtain that mercy for yourself. But that's not the same thing as saying, now, I want you to be the king of my life. I want to be your slave. Whatever you say, I will say yes to. And that means a lot of hard choices and giving up things you don't want to give up sometimes. 
and making decisions for you or your family that that in your flesh you wouldn't have made you know because we we crave comfort we crave the things we already know and god does not always permit us to to stay comfortable yeah we also crave the easy road we do (laughs) so that's probably enough to talk about predestination as far as identity like i don't want to over focus on something that we could not possibly hit in a mm-hmm. in a small series. Right. And then it's also important in verse six. It says all of this is to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. I would say one of the most important things to keep in mind as far as identity is your identity is not about you. It is of God mm-hmm. and from God. For God. And for God. Like yeah. all of it. That's the most important part to yeah. remember is he's also doing this because he's got a plan Amen. and because he is God. And so you don't always get to decide exactly what or how everything works. It may be counter to the way you were raised or the things that you think you would like to do. But God's way is always the best way. Mm-hmm. And that applies to every type of, of law or sin or grace or gift. All of it, the things he blesses you with. And I, and I could say this as a young preacher, I did not want to be a pastor. I wanted to be an evangelist because I saw Billy Graham and I saw these, these men of God that were called to step out into the world and proclaim the gospel and do mighty works and, and bring more people into the family of God. And I thought, there can't be a better calling. There can't be anything more exciting than that. And I guess the two things I learned was, well, yeah, that's great, but that's not what I called you to do. And we're in a season where now I really understand God's people need discipleship and they need edification and they need built up and they need prayed over and they need Christians need God just as much as the world. Amen. And oftentimes we understand him about the same. Mm, And so there's a real need for pastorship. Also, the second thing I learned was I didn't have a full understanding of what evangelism really is or requires because it's not just sharing the gospel. Heck, all of us are called to do that. All of us are to go out and with our mouths proclaim the gospel and with our lifestyles proclaim the gospel. Mm -hmm. But evangelism is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And it is not just sharing God's word. Evangelists move in the power and the authority of Christ. They cast out demons. They lay hands on the sick and they are healed. They bless and sanctify whole areas. And oftentimes an evangelist will walk with so many prayer warriors surrounding them that as they come into an area, that territory shifts and under the control and authority of God. Mm-hmm. Because whether you believe it or not, most of the territories you've ever walked through, whether it's a town or a city or a church, there's also demonic principalities yeah. lording over this area and trying to corrupt and destroy it. And they've, they've got power. Yeah. But every once in a while, an evangelist rolls into town and just breaks that hold. For a season and people's minds become open and and i've seen this an evangelist will come into town and preach a message that your pastors in that town have been preaching for years and everybody gets it yeah and those pastors are like 
I swear I said that last weekend. Like, you guys just let it roll right on by. But that's because something happened in the spirit. When they came in under that anointing with that calling of evangelism, things changed. And all of that just to say, I didn't really understand evangelism when I was asking God for it. I didn't really understand how important pastorship is, you know, the role of a preacher and a teacher. And I'm thankful for what he's blessed me with now. I don't, I don't seek to be more than he's called me to be. I just seek to actually honor the call. And that's enough. That's hard enough work. Um, I also wanted to share another scripture in first Peter. Um, while you we were talking, I, a little bit ago, I thought of this one. Um, and so I want to share it with everyone. But you are a, sorry, so I'm in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And so it's a such a good word because we're a royal priesthood. He calls us a holy nation. He calls us a chosen generation. And you were talking about evangelism. And he says, special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness. And that goes back to the, the scripture I can't seem to not quote every time we record. But it <laughs> is uh, Revelation 12, 11. And I, it doesn't matter what happens and what is taught. It always brings me back to that verse. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. There is something so important in that um, sharing your testimony. And in this, in this verse, I just read nine, it says that you may proclaim the praise of him who called you out of the darkness and into the marvelous light, marvelous light, excuse me. We have to be a people that are willing to boldly proclaim the praises of him who called us out. The world is hopeless and they are desperately waiting and looking for hope and we carry it. And he says, we were chosen. We weren't, we're not just carrying it by happenstance. He chose us to carry it. He chose us to proclaim it. So it, it should be infecting literally infecting our whole life everywhere we go and you say well i'm a pastor i'm not an evangelist well like you said we're all called to evangelism because everywhere we go we should be proclaiming his truth and his praises right right. and like um you know gosh if i if i began to share on here just today the praises from this week like the lord has been moving in such a mighty way this week and just doing so many different things in some some really long-term prayers are starting. We're starting to see fruit and, and answers to some prayers and people are uh, people that we've been praying for, for a long time, overcoming addiction um, through Christ and just, just different things. And you're like, Oh man, Lord, I see it. I see it. You are, you're exactly who you said you are, Lord. You get me so fired up God. And, but I want to, I want to testify too, to what he's doing, even just what he did in me today, what he did in me this week too, because when I'm sharing other people's stories and it's important to share, to share, to build up, to encourage others and all of that. But also it's important that he said by our testimonies, right? Yeah. And so 
when I'm sharing my own testimony this, this week, for example, um, you know, our son's going off to summer camp and I got this whole list of fundraisers and I'm sitting there and I'm like a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a person who wants to get it done. So I'll make a list of a thousand ways I'm going to do it. Right. And I'll make plans. And I, I like, I have notebooks, right. And I like make the plans and God, God hasn't released me to act on these plans. And he's like, I, I, I can literally just feel him like enveloping my whole like being like, Hey, shh, girl, watch what I can do. I'm going to do this. And he's just like, <laughs> I, I'm paused. I'm on pause. And God is literally just showing up and he's just doing it. He's just doing it. Like I'm not doing anything. He's just doing it all. And, and to a person who's a doer, that's so counter, right? Because like, but, but don't you want me to do something, God? Like, and he's like, yeah, I want you to be quiet and obey me and watch me and testify to who I am. Testify to how I did it all. And sometimes we just need to remember that we're chosen and we need to testify to that and let that be the voice that speaks louder than all the voices in the world. And so um, if you if you have been struggling with acceptance um, with people, maybe in crowds and you don't really know who you are, you don't really know like where you fit in, like God says you fit in and you are chosen and he chose you before the foundation of the world. And I want to pray for everyone right now. God, we thank you. We thank you that you that you chose us, Lord. We thank you that you are who you say you are, Lord. We thank you that we are who you say we are, God, and that all of it is in you and nothing that we do, God, but only in what you already 